Welcome to the Government Huddle with Brian Chittister, a new podcast from Government Marketing University. My entire career has been dedicated to marketing in the government space. And in the beginning, I never cared about the why. I was completely focused on the how. It was all about the tactics, the analytics, the ROI, rinse and repeat. Then I decided I wanted to understand these programs and technologies the same way our customers do. It opened up a whole new world for me. And that is what this show is about, aligning the why with the how, taking a deep dive on current trends, making bold, educated predictions about the market, learning from expert guests, and discovering innovative concepts on how to respond to all of this. So join us as we talk about all things government marketers need to know about today, tomorrow, and beyond. Come on, let's huddle up. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the Government Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. As you're listening right now, I hope everyone is safe and healthy. I know for me, the weeks and days have felt like they've gotten longer and longer. And my wife and I are home with a six-year-old and a almost one-year-old. So it, things have never been crazier. I know everybody's situation is differently, but uh, I know we're all going through this for the first time. So I hope everybody's doing okay. Um, but one thing we do have in common is we are all marketers and one way it has definitely impacted all of us directly is more and more of what we do on a regular basis is being pushed into the digital world. In-person events are gone for the foreseeable future and face-to-face customer meetings have been put on hold. And with this shift, technology can play a big role in picking up some of the slack. And today's guest knows a thing or two about that. Joining us is Dave Rewalt from Adobe. He's an expert in MarTech and specializes in customer experience management and digital transformation for marketing organizations. So Dave, welcome to the show and really appreciate you joining us today. But before we jump into all that, I wanted to ask you something that I have a feeling my listeners have been giving thought to over the past couple of weeks. What are you most looking forward to doing post-COVID quarantine? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, um, it's it's funny, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people would have very exciting answers uh, about what they plan on doing. What I'm most excited about is actually getting back into a routine. Um, I miss going to the gym, for example. Just simple things um, are, are really the biggest things on my radar. Um, you know, my, my most exciting thing right now is going out to the mailbox. So, <laughs> you know, being able to actually, you know, I'm getting about four weeks to the gallon in my car right now because we don't go anywhere. But uh, yeah, I think just routine, getting back to an exercise routine. Uh, you know, I think being able to actually eat out at a restaurant would be amazing. Um, and and seeing people out in the wild, you know, that aren't you know, like panicked and, you know, um, just trying to get their thing and get home. So I, I think a, a, some semblance of whatever that new normal is going to be uh, is really what I'm looking forward to. And I know things will change and they're, they're never going to be like they were, but, uh, to get some of that back, I think is, is, is going to be nice. I think there's a lot of listeners that probably share the, just want to get back into their normal routine or whatever that new normal is going to be. And I even mentioned to my wife the other day, I can't wait just to honestly go sit at a restaurant and have a dinner. So yeah, just, like you said, just the simple things. Exactly. Let, 
let's just jump right into it. Uh, what is digital transformation and marketing looking like these days at Adobe? Yeah, well, when you look at digital transformation and you think, you know, what, what the last couple of decades have looked like, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, it all started with this idea of, of the back office, right, where we were looking at things like, you know, optimizing supply chain and, and things like that through through uh, like ERP systems. And we digitized the whole back office and then sort of, you know, eight, 10 years ago, you really started to see the the shift toward, um, you know, the front office, you know, let's digitize the Rolodex, let's enable the sales teams. And, and so CRM was really that wave of transformation. And then now what we're seeing is, you know, this idea of the experience transformation, the experience wave where, you know, and you, you know, this as well as I do, you know, as consumers or citizens, we, we demand better and better and more frictionless experiences than ever before. And uh, what's really changed from, from that perspective is, you know, better and better technology um, has disrupted, you know, what we sort of settled with in the past. You know, I know for myself, you know, if, if, if I order an Uber, for example, and it's not coming within five minutes, I'm looking for a lift, you know, or I'm going to the next app. Um, and so our patience, you know, has, uh, expired. And, and so experiences sort of span past this idea of just marketing anymore. And, you know, when you think about how organizations typically have operated over the years is, you know, marketing sales have been tied at the hip, certainly, um, and advertising those types of channels, but, you know, these other places that touch the experience have, have kind of been very siloed and continue to this day to be fairly siloed in many organizations such as customer service doesn't you know interact necessarily directly with a marketing channel or things like call centers or support or um you know any of those types of things all kind of live in their own little fiefdoms and you know you need all of that to come together um in a way that allows you to provide a frictionless experience for the entire customer journey today. Um, so, you know, you know, think of examples uh, that, you know, as a consumer citizen, you've been through where, you know, I know when I fill out a form online and then, uh, you know, maybe I need the cable company to come over and, and do something. And then they call me and then I have to tell the call center rep the same story and give them all the same information I just gave them in the form. And then the person comes over to fix my cable and I have to tell the person exactly what was wrong, even though I put that in the form and told the call center person. Um, you know, those things aren't acceptable anymore. You know, we're just, we've run out of patience for those types of things because there are other technologies and other examples out in the wild that we are experiencing that are better than that. And so our brand loyalty, our allegiance, our, our patience for, for bad experiences has run out. And I think that's the wave that you're seeing now is, is this idea of it, you know, trans transforming sort of beyond marketing mindset, which is, you know, touch points around sales, marketing, advertising, that kind of thing, and onto everything that touches that experience from end to end so that you can shape it and provide something that will keep them loyal to your brand and delighted at every turn. Well, I think touch points are going to be really important, right? Because Things are going to be moving virtually. Uh, In-person events are getting canceled. And you talked about experiences. Those are going to be 
more crucial than ever to maximize each touch each touch point you have with your uh your stakeholder right oh yeah absolutely i mean you know speaking of like virtual events uh, you know from an adobe perspective you you saw that uh you know, in March we had the uh, the Adobe Summit, which you know every year was you know thousands and thousands of people. And mm-hmm. this year, I think we had planned like twenty three thousand individuals were going to attend. Uh, and with COVID nineteen, we moved that to a virtual event. Uh, and you know, it was <laughs> a lot of blood, sweat, and tears by a lot of people at Adobe to pull that off. But I think we did a nice job of it, which is you know taking all that content and in which is a lot. <laughs> And making it available in this really interesting on-demand way um, to be consumed, uh, you know, and get the same sort of value you would get from from actually being at an event like that. So, it was did did you an notice any different social experiment? <laughs> did yeah? Did you notice any difference in their interaction with the content? Maybe maybe post-event that might not have happened if it was an in-person. Well, I, I think what's interesting is is we're seeing, you know, at least anecdotally. Um, you know, without giving away any in- internal numbers or anything, but we're seeing a lot of interaction with the content beyond like the attendance levels that would typically be at a live event. And that's the interesting thing is like, you know, not everybody who has an interest in this stuff can a afford the cost to go to an event like that, take the time off to go to Las Vegas for a week in, in March. Um, so it's select individuals, you know, typically would go to these things. What we're seeing now is just a swell, uh, a groundswell of, of, you know, consumption of this content broader than, you know, the 20 some thousand people that would probably experience it on site. So, and then I think the other interesting sort of factoid, if you will, is the, the width of that. So, you know, you've gone to these kinds of events before and you sort of pick and choose the different, um, sessions that you want to go to and you you probably end up making about half of those because you know how things go sideways in terms of (laughs) schedule um but when it's all virtual it's all on demand and you know you're at home now because everyone's sort of you know in a in a holding pattern in some ways um you have some time and you have the ability to consume a wider breadth of the content than you would have if you had attended that event in person so i think we're learning a lot um, from you know this first go of a, a big sort of event like that being canceled and having to transform into a, a virtual version of it, um, you know I think that um, there's still a lot we're going to learn in in the coming months. We continue to uh, to add content to the summit experience we're calling it, um, you know over the course of of March and April and May, but um, definitely going to be interesting to see you know, how this moves forward. Cause you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, but you know, if, if I were to make a bold prediction, I would say we're probably not going to see a lot in the way of live events in the next 18 months. Is my I guess. was having, I was having a conversation with somebody actually last summer at uh, our big global event. And he is a big believer that generational uh, thoughts on things are really going to change the way we look at events moving forward in that, millennials and generation z they don't necessarily always congregate in person they like more virtual focused uh events um and a lot of the conversations we've been having around covid is how it's accelerating things not necessarily changing what might have happened but just moving it forward significantly so i guess my thought is perhaps we were going to get to this point uh maybe no live events in 10 years 
but the virtual event is now being thrust upon us. And now the technology is there to be able to enable a greater experience. So I think you're right. I think we're going to get to a point where these are going to be just what events will become. Um, but I also think as marketers, that could be a really good thing. I mean, even though you lose some of that face-to-face -face intimacy, there's a lot of data on the back end that's going to drive some of the campaigns. And I, I know a lot of marketers become very data-driven, um, but I think this is another way that uh, marketers can can kind of scale out some of the experiences and, and personalize some of the experiences they're going to have with their with their customers. Agreed. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see it evolve. And I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of things peripheral to, you know, the, the virtual experience happening, like um, technologies popping up to make those virtual events easier to produce. And, mm -hmm. and do at a at a level and a quality, you know. You think about big productions like Adobe Summit or, you know, uh, you know, Salesforce Dreamforce and all those kinds of things, right? You know, there's they're you know they're paying lots and lots of money for big production on that stuff, Hollywood level type production, right? Um, and it's amazing. It shows when you're at those live events. It's like this is awesome to bring that level of production quality though to something virtual. You know, it can't be a guy in a $29 webcam, you know, it's just not going to work. Uh -huh. It has to be, you know, you have to have good gear. You've got to have good software. You've got to have good things that streamline a lot of those processes. So I think we're going to see a whole ecosystem, you know, continue to evolve around that. You know, look at the, obviously the, you know, the popularity of the, you know, things like Zoom and all those types of, of softwares, you know, are a necessity now, but I think we're going to see innovation accelerate dramatically in that area just because people are going to need to produce more and more content because you can consume a lot more content from a virtual event perspective than you might necessarily be able to do, you know, flying somewhere for three, four days. No, I think that's exactly right. And with that information we had talked about that you can glean from some of these virtual experiences, you have this data. Um, so let's talk about experiences again. You want to maximize those touch points. How can we use that data and what are you doing at Adobe now to be able to help customers and even yourself um, maximize some of these touch points you're having? Yeah, so let's, you know, let's start with data because it kind of all starts and ends there, right? When you, you know, look back historically at the MarTech ecosystem for the last you know, couple of decades, um, and you think about, you know, if you've been a, mar a marketer for a while or you've been around marketing for a while or MarTech for a while, you know, you, you've seen that ecosystem, that that MarTech um, chart evolve, right? From here, here's a thousand providers and vendors that provide some sort of software or service that supports marketing or advertising into, you know, 2003. Then, you know, we're up to what, seven, eight thousand different things now. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's a lot. And you think about, you know, what you're trying to do from a technology backend as a marketer is to build a tech stack that enables you to do a bunch of different things. Um, primarily, it's been run campaigns, measure those campaigns, understand effectiveness, ROI, attribution. You know, that's that's kind of what we've seen in the last decade or so. The challenge has been two things. One, that's been a very marketing focused conversation. Two building that tech stack, you're basically cobbling together a whole bunch of different point solutions, trying to figure out how to integrate those things in different ways 
um, because they all have their own sort of purpose-built use cases, right? You might have your ESP for sending email and doing, you know, batch campaigns. You're going to have your personalization tool, maybe for your website, you know, or testing tool for your website. Like, you know, we have Target, obviously, if you're Oracle, you've got Maximizer, so on and so forth. But you've got all these different technologies that you've brought together, your analytics stack, all of those things, and you're integrating them as point-to-point solutions and trying to tell the whole story. Well, as more and more data becomes available in those different systems, now you're starting to push the limits of what those can do. Um, Two, point-to-point integrations introduce latency into the ecosystem. Um, And you don't really want latency as you think about consumer experiences are expecting more and more real-time or near real-time abilities. Uh, you know, we want now, we don't want to wait, you know, a, a long time for things to happen. And in today's experience business, you know, ours is might as well be decades. Absolutely. Um, so when you think about those things, um, you know, it all comes back to, well, the, how do we fix that? And we fix that with data. And if you look at the the investments that many big enterprises have been making over the last, you know, five, six, eight years, um, they're investing in large data lake projects. They're investing in things like, um, you know, Microsoft Event Hub or Amazon Kinesis or uh, uh, their own Kafka internal pipeline, things of that nature, so that they have a big data infrastructure that allows them to start doing a lot of this stuff. The challenge, uh, and, and so it's, you know, hey, let's take all of our data, put it in one place. That's the biggest goal. And then let's be able to action on it to the challenge, the channels that need it. Um, so that's kind of been where where you're seeing things heading, because when you have data sitting in 10 different systems that have their own profile stores, their own behavioral stores, and their own way of identifying customers, um, to get all those things to work together, and then, you know, they all have their own decisioning engines, and then they all have their own, you know, data models, and getting all that to work together in a timely manner um, and activate against a customer use case is becoming... Uh, you know, really, really difficult when expectations are higher than that now from the consumer or citizen perspective. So I think what you're going to see, and you know, like, for example, with Adobe, we've got our new uh, experience platform, which is designed to do and solve a lot of these big problems, right? Which is siloed data, which is decisioning locked away in channel specific apps, which is things like um, your business intelligence stack isn't connected to any of your engagement systems. Um, to problems like, um, you know, privacy and governance and regulations are constantly changing and evolving. Uh, to have all the right framework to support that stuff uh, is really what we're working toward solving. Um, and, and I think that's what you're going to really see coming from a lot of places. When you think about what we're doing, you have to look at Salesforce is trying to do the same thing. Oracle's got their CDP product they're coming out with. Then you have a bunch of point solutions who are saying, hey, yeah, Mr. Mr. Marketer, here's, you know, bring all your data into our CDP because you need it all in one place. Um, but to do that in a way that is scalable and can actually operate in a real time or near real time capacity um, for, you know, millions and billions of profiles is uh, is definitely, I think, the, the newest frontier from an experience management perspective um, that you're going to see kind of coming. That's the no, new wave. And I think that's actually something that's going to be really important to our listeners because a lot of them are going to be dealing with the federal government um, as their stakeholders and their their customers. 
And those are some of the largest customers on the planet. So being able yeah. to personalize that scale is going to be crucial to any type of marketing campaign they might do if they are trying to enhance those touch points. So what type of personalization efforts are you seeing that can be scaled um, that marketers could take away and say, use in a campaign um, in the short term? Yeah, I mean, so there's the usual suspects, you know, which is let's, you know, let's track every behavioral, uh, at, you know, if, if you think about it two ways, right, you know, a, a, a profile of a citizen or, or a, a consumer is made up of really two things, profile attributes, you know, who you are, your name, your email address, where you live, all those kinds of things. And then the experience events that you go through in life. So those could be things like a store visit, um, clicking on a web page, clicking on an email, um, opening a mobile app, you know, all those diff little different time series based events, you know, are things that um, help to make up your profile along with your attributes. So understanding from a data perspective and collecting all of those data points, um, bringing them into one place. So then you can really get smart around how you segment against that um, and how you personalize. So if I know everywhere you've been in your journey from an experience perspective, and I know a lot of attributes about you, I can start to understand what to put in front of you and when, um, and then you can do that in a few different ways, certainly. Right. Um, in today's world, we're pretty much used to kind of rules based segmentation um, or audience building where it's like, you know, give me, you know, females in Idaho under 30 who are interested in sports, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Those kinds of things. Um, okay. We're all segmenting like that today, whether it's for advertising or marketing purposes. Um, and you're using data to do that, right? You're creating a rule kind of to do that. Um, where you're starting to see more and more um, sort of things to help personalization is uh, machine learning and AI, or now I can take um, the gobs and gobs of data I have from every individual. I can pump that into a machine learning model that will create net new attributes that me as a marketer um, and my team could segment against. So think of things like um, a typical use case um, would be like churn. You know, you you don't want your customers to churn or fall away. Um, okay, well. Now, how do you calculate churn? You probably have some sort of scoring mechanism, perhaps. Um, but if you have a machine learning model or an AI model running that takes all the data points into perspective, creates a churn score in real time. Now, as a marketer, I could say, give me everybody with, you know, the highest churn scores, the, the most propensity to churn. Um, I'm going to create this action from that. Give me, a, you know, give me everyone in this range. They're going to go through this nurture campaign or that nurture campaign. So you can start to use a lot of net new attributes created through machine learning and AI that can really help you personalize to the individual versus sort of, hey, give me a group of people who look like this or that. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. The other thing I would say is from a personalization perspective is the idea of the customer journey is individual versus kind of this batch or group mentality. When you think of like the email world, for example, you're going to be, you know, Give me everybody who clicked on my email in the last 30 days and has visited my website three times. Okay, that's a typical thing you might build as a segment in a marketing automation tool of some sort or an ESP. Um, and that's great, but it's a very group-oriented thing. But 
you and I both know that experiences are individual in terms of how we look at the, at the world. And so being able to say, oh, David walked in that store at 2 p.m. Um, therefore, the screen he's going to walk by in 20 seconds as he's walking through the door, I'm going to personalize that based on him walking in the store, right? Um, or I'm going to trigger a specific marketing or experience journey that I've designed based on a single event that my individual profile has triggered. So it, it's, you know, in that personalization piece, um, going to the individual is, is something that has been hard to scale up until, you know, a lot of the infrastructure in, in cloud technology and compute technology um, has become available in recent years. So I think that's where you're kind of seeing it going. Um, in a few different directions, kind of using a lot of the latest and greatest technology. And I think that's a really good consumer. Uh, it, I think description of how you can use something like geofencing uh, to support their their customer journey, even in person. But I think even for our listeners who are dealing with the business to government aspect of marketing, um, they can still factor geofencing in. I mean, there's ways to do uh, targeted web ads to certain specific agencies. I think that's great for account-based marketing um, where you can really target and segment um, specific content, specific products, um, and just specific messaging um, to a very niche group of people. So just because some of this technology is out there, I know it can be intimidating um, because oftentimes it's consumer-focused. There's still right. applicability for the business-to-business, business-to-government marketers. Absolutely. And I, I th even think from a um, from that standpoint, too, I mean, like one of the biggest challenges I've had as a citizen is, you know, tracking down where to go for for what, <laughs> you know, it's it's, you know, oh, I need to renew this or I need to do, you know, find this about taxes or I need to do this about DMV stuff or whatever those things are. Um, you know, you to try and find those things, um, that information sort of proliferation kind of stuff isn't easy. And, you know, I think to get out of the one size fits all, which is, you know, I go and I search, you know, whatever, um, you want to know based on everything that I've visited before, what gov pages, what this and that and the other, you don't want to just give me the same content I've already looked at because that's what the, the answer is for everybody. You want to personalize that journey and say, well, geez, this guy's visited this site. He's called these two phone numbers at these call centers you know, he's done this, this, and that, um, you know, how do we move him along in his journey to where he's trying to get to? How do we predict what he's trying to solve for and give him actually to the right place? I think that's really applicable in public sector. Um, absolutely. In healthcare, other industries as well. But um, yeah, it spans beyond just kind of the consumer mindset for sure. I know at the start of the show, we were making predictions about how we thought this pandemic and the lack of events, et cetera, is going to affect the market. And one of the ways that I, I definitely think it will is as budgets are reallocated away from, say, in-person events, it could be allocated towards uh, third-party production of content. So you mentioned having more content, specific content is going to be uh, more important, I think, post-COVID just based on the the number of touch points. But I also think that's a great way to personalize experiences. But 
looking at it from a technology perspective, I know there's a lot of ways in, in, in the past, perhaps it's been content first and let's see how we can fit it into whatever delivery mechanism is out there. Mm -hmm. But what I'm curious to know is how is technology actually affecting the type of content that's being produced? I mean, I, I think there's a couple of ways I would address that. You know, one is um, you need a lot more content is what people are learning. Um, if you want to personalize to the individual level, you know, um, you need a lot of variation and variety there and you need it across every channel. Um, so, you know, I'll use Adobe as a lens for a moment, but, you know, when you think about things like, okay, I need to personalize the experience. So maybe I have a video asset, some image assets and some other content. And I have to put that in mobile. I have to put that on web. I have to put that in an app. I have to put that in eight different places. I have to format it in a way where a call center rep can convey it, all these different things. How do you do that? You know, if I'm a, if I'm a team of three, a small marketing team, for example, you know, how do I go and, and create 38 versions of, you know, 350 pieces of content I need and do that every month? Um, that's not easy. Um, and, and so I think, you know, technology is starting to emerge to al allow us to do that in a couple of ways. You know, one is certainly machine learning and AI, you know, um, so that I as a marketer don't have to build individual rules for every single um, experience. I can use some AI driven stuff to make predictions and put the right content in front of them in the right channel. And then two, you know, things like the creative side. So, you know, Adobe has uh, integrations, for example, with our um, our creative suite with that kind of works with our experience cloud suite, which does interesting things like, okay, so I've got this image and it needs to go on mobile. It needs to go on social. It needs to go on my website and all these places. We can like uh, use AI to auto pick and auto crop and do auto tagging and a lot of really interesting stuff that is very, very manual today for marketers um, and, and kind of take that heavy lifting of that content um, velocity need away uh, in, in many ways. But I think that's one of the the biggest things is, is you realize you need more content. You need to test more content and create more content and, uh, and, and finding ways to do that efficiently, um, is, is, you know, where, where we see a lot of the, uh, the effort going. Yeah. I think the need for more content is definitely there. You can never have enough and the need for personalized content has never been greater. So I think reallocating budget to that effort could be one area that marketers respond effectively in this new normal. And this conversation has been really fun for me. I hope our audience enjoyed it. Any final thoughts you want to leave them with though today? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, if, if, if I were in a marketing team today, uh, whether it's public sector, whether it's government, state or commercial, you know, you have to start thinking of it as a technical sport and you have to start thinking of it from a data perspective. And, and I think that's really going to help you focus, which is, you know, how do I get all the data I need in the time that I need it to activate in the way that's going to create the experience? So my advice, I guess, would be start with the experience you want to create and then back into the data that's going to support it. And then where you get that and how it comes from and how it moves around the organization. Then you can decide, okay, what technology do I need to incorporate to solve for that use case that my current infrastructure doesn't allow for. I mean, that would be the start, but I mean, if I, if I were to give marketers advice today is get good at data. 
get understanding that become a technical marketer, not just a marketer. I think that's really great advice because no matter where you look, data is transforming the landscape of every industry, marketing included. So being able to harness its value is becoming game changing. Thanks again for joining the show, Dave. And thank you all for listening to us geek out a little bit on some cool technology, really changing the way marketers engage their customers. This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to gmarku.com or on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Chittister AB. Stay safe, guys. Bye for now.